Welcome back to season three, episode four of Life Beyond Lost, the podcast. This is a guest show where we share just the most amazing and inspiring stories of how people are navigating their grief and loss through to their healing and often transformation as a result of their experience. I'm your host, Louise Kresick, grief and loss coach, and today I'm talking to a very special lady, Rachel Field, who is the founder of Eva and Alma. Rachel also has a very unique role as a soul midwife, and if you don't know what that is, then stay tuned because we're going to talk more about that. She also shares her story, which encompasses so much loss around um, living with a neurological condition, uh, dealing with chronic pain, overcoming major surgery, and in those very difficult two years for her, losing her nan and the trauma that sort of surrounded this. She also lost her job and her career and financial independence as part of the journey. However, where this leads to for Rachel is just simply amazing and how this has um, transpired into the development of, of her health and wellbeing business as it is now is just absolutely fascinating. So join us on this amazing episode. joined on uh, today's show by Rachel Field who is founder of Eva and Elma and welcome Rachel I am very excited about this (laughs) (laughs) me too Lou (laughs) morning thank you (laughs) it feels like it's kind of been a been a long time coming because we talked about doing this for a while yeah we have we have but it's obviously meant to happen today and that's all that matters <laughs> exactly exactly so um why don't we start just by i guess just telling people um just a little bit then about you know eva and alma and kind of what you do really okay yeah um so eva and alma does have two sides to it but i'll start with the name so eva and alma means um life and soul a lot of people um think my name's eva or they message me and go oh hi how are you both how is eva and alma i'm like i'm really sorry (laughs) it's just me (laughs) Eva and alma means life and soul which is very much what it's about so in a nutshell Eva and Alma helps people find deep inner peace in life through the sacred act of self-care which um, I try and encourage the balance of mind body soul wellness um, that takes on the form of I've got an online self-care store I've got a soul sanctuary where I do and work with different healing modalities um, I run international retreats I teach yoga and meditation um, so that's the that's the life side of things about finding deep inner peace um, and loving yourself enough to go on this self-care journey. And then I also work at end of life as well. So I bring peace into the journey at end of life as I'm a fully qualified soul midwife. 
Um, so although it falls under the same brand, that side of my work is called The Sacred Journey Home by Eva and Alma. Um, and it's a holistic, emotional and spiritual support for somebody and their loved ones um, who's going through that journey to the end of life. That is well, it's just fantastic. I love everything you do anyway. Um, and I, I, just the whole, the deep inner peace really kind of rings true for me in terms of um, grief and loss as well. But also because loss isn't, I mean, I work with many different clients. It's not always about losing a loved one. And sometimes people lack that kind of inner peace and that ability to kind of self-care after for example something like um you know a relationships come to an end and yeah. quite often have like low self-worth and that sort of thing so I suppose it's kind of encompassing all of that really absolutely yeah so but I know the fact that it's um international as well that just sounds so great doesn't it the retreats <laughs> but let's talk about I really want to talk about the soul because you mentioned soul midwife there and I guess there yeah. are there will be people out there who don't know what a soul midwife is mm -hmm. so yeah and I, I totally understand that most people hear the term midwife and think oh babies yeah and unfortunately that's just not what it's about but the term it a, a wonderful woman called Felicity Warner down in Dorset founded the movement um around well she's been working at end of life for around 40 years but she founded the movement over 20 years ago and there are now almost a thousand fully trained and qualified soul midwives across the across the world actually but the majority of them being in the UK and it was actually um, one of the patients in a hospice who Felicity was working with years ago who phoned up the hospice and said I want to speak to my soul midwife so it was actually a patient's sorry family that actually named the term soul midwife and then Felicity looked into it and um and was able to use it um because we are very much like midwives as, as midwives birth a soul into the world um midwives you know we midwife a soul as it leaves earth um it sounds very woo woo I suppose it is a little bit but it's actually really beautiful work it's from the heart it's just love yeah we're trained in love and to respect the person whatever ever belief system they have wherever they're at but our, our saying is meet them where they are not where you want them to be so if someone who is at end of life or coming to coming to terms with a terminal diagnosis and they might be feeling angry my job isn't to go in and make them not be angry my job is to sit with them in that pain because mm. it's perfectly acceptable to be angry in that yes. moment and if they don't release it it creates um tension mm. so in a nutshell soul midwives um emotionally holistically and spiritually support and guide a dying person and their loved ones through the journey we're trained in various different therapies holistic therapies how to emotionally support so we work with anxieties we work with people that go into a depression um towards the end to help to help them find that peace we work with the loved ones um and then spiritually and we're non-denominational which means we support the belief system of anybody because it's not about my belief system. Mm -hmm. It's about the belief system of the person that's dying and that can be anything. Um, also, um, we help the loved ones and we help with their belief systems. You just want to create a bit more. I will never, ever take trauma away from, um, sorry, I will never, ever take the grief and the heartbreak away from losing somebody, mm -hmm. but I can help alleviate the trauma yes I love and that's that. my role 
I love it. And there's so many crossovers there for me in just the principles of coaching and how I work as well, because this is about mm. coming at it from somebody else's world and the beliefs that yeah. they hold and, you know, um, looking at it, I guess, sort of through their eyes for me in coaching. Yeah. Um, and not, it's not about, you know, fixing things, is it? It's about no. um, offering the tools and the techniques and helping them with that, that sort of finding their own answers and their own resources and things like that. Yeah, 100%. We are so much more powerful than we give ourselves credit. Oh, I look, and I, I just think it's amazing work because I feel like um, there is, there, I haven't personally, well, apart from with my dad, because um, my mom's death was very sudden, my dad's was more of a long-term illness. Mm-hmm. Um, my own experience was just that the focus, obviously, the services that are in this country and are amazing, by the way, but it's kind of yeah. the med- medical model, isn't it? It's yeah. Everything has to fit within that medical model and doesn't always take account of the emotional and kind of the psychological aspects mm-hmm. of this so I think that is what is amazing to me about what you oh thank you because yes that's the other thing to add that we're non-medical yes. and we're not here to take anything away from the medical world they are amazing yes. people yes. they are amazing service um but death doesn't have to be purely medicalized there's a mm. big gap at the moment and it's just filling that gap this is ancient yes. work that's been forgotten yes oh I love that I love the way you described that yeah, yeah. it's ancient work that's been forgotten that we're just trying to bring back because there's a gap. Um, and we help, and it also, we support the medical teams because medical teams don't have time to go as deep with people. They don't have the time and, and, and they feel pushed and pulled. And we're here to give people that time. So I know we've talked about in the past, Rachel, that there is a story around your, you know, that your why, if you like, about setting up your business and founding Eva and Alma. Would you be happy to share? Yeah, certainly. Um, it's not a very considered strategic response because it's uh, a bit all over the place, which is exactly how all this happened. Um, so please forgive me. <laughs> but um, so... Pre-2011, I thought I was a very healthy woman. I exercised daily um, and not just exercised, I trained. So I was, I um, trained with the swimming club. Um, I was always in the gym doing like boxercise and Zumba. I played National League netball. Um, I was very, very fit and I thought my mindset was very healthy. Um, I had quite a high pressure career. Um, so basically I'd, I'd had a spinal condition from the age of 17 mm-hmm. and my whole life I just pushed through it, pushed through the pain, thinking that was the right thing to do, telling myself everything was going to be okay. Um, I used the power of my mind to push through pain barriers, psycholo- psychological barriers and just kept going. And I thought that was healthy. Mm-hmm. I also had an inner belief, um, which isn't unhealthy, but I had a strong belief in myself that whatever I put my heart and mind to, I would succeed if I was prepared to work hard enough, if I really wanted to do. So to me, that's what I was healthy. I had a healthy mm. diet. I was a great relationships, great career, wonderful boyfriend at the time. Life was good. Then 2011, um, I'd been had been in hospital a couple of times before this. It was quite serious, but I'd recovered really quick. But in 2011, to cut a long story short, I found myself having two um, nine weeks of real spinal trauma and because I used the power of my mind I looked okay from the outside I wasn't screaming I was able to walk 
when I went to the doctors to get some support and I sat in front of the doctor and I said, I know I don't look it, but something really serious is happening in my body. I'm in immense pain. Please help me. Unfortunately, they didn't believe me because I didn't look like somebody should that had a really serious spinal condition. Mm. So I was stuck for nine weeks in intense physical trauma to the point now I'm now living with a neurological condition because my whole body was so traumatized it rewrote my nervous system Mm. and I'm now under a neurologist in London who has confirmed it's during those nine weeks that's caused me to now live with a chronic health condition Mm. it's currently incurable um I started off very much with a I'm going to cure this. I can do it. And I've had to let that go. So hope hasn't gone, but I'm having to accept that this is where I am in this moment. Mm. But during that year, so after the nine weeks, I then found myself having two minor spots. Because as soon as someone actually scanned me, they were like, oh, this is quite serious. Mm. I had two minor spinal ops, um, a mini stroke scare, and then major spinal surgery. Um, And it was a massive life change. Then Mm. following that, um, post spinal surgery I used the power of my mind to physically recover um so I was 10 days after the surgery staples came out I was straight in the swimming pool everyone was cheerleading me saying you're amazing you're really tough I was doing it to myself I was ignoring my body Mm. my body was screaming at me to stop and let it heal and I didn't I didn't and that's and, and that's added and sort of imploded within my nervous system as well it's not helped matters Um, it doesn't mean this happens to anybody else it's just my journey and it was very personal it was almost as if I was meant to go through this Mm. the 18 months probably a little bit less than that following that period um, I lost my nan Um, very tragically actually it was almost history repeating itself my nan went to the doctor's saying she was in a lot of pain and she didn't feel well and because she didn't look like somebody that was in pain they didn't believe her and it turns out she was actually dying from bowel cancer and had a sheathed spinal nerve so it was almost it was really odd actually and surreal um, and we lost my nan um, and that was quite traumatic for me actually because my nan was my maternal connection I absolutely loved the bones off her she was a very special woman and it was horrible to see somebody go through that mm. um, I also lost my job, my career that I'd worked so hard that I loved because the level of flexibility my new found health condition had left me with meant that I needed a level of flexibility that um, my career was unable to support. Um, it also meant I was unemployable um, because no new employer would be able to take me on with the level of flexibility I needed at that time. Um, I was the main breadwinner. We just bought a new house before I came poorly. So um, you can imagine the level of financial stress that was suddenly put on me as well and my husband. And I lost my independence. So I've worked hard to get a lot of it back for the first 18 months or so. I I, I didn't have much independence. Um, And that was hard from somebody that believed she could do whatever she wanted to do whenever she Mm. wanted. So then I then started to grieve a lot. Um, And yeah, you can imagine what those couple of years were like. I lost a lot. Um, I grieved a lot. I grieved a death. I grieved the loss of my job. I grieved the loss of my health, the life that I carved out. Um, it was a lot. Um, but that's where Eva and Alma came out because it was my own journey into self-care where I realized that actually self-care is healthcare and self-care is a superpower. So over the past eight, nine years, 
So bear in mind, it took me five years to end up going on to this route to the neurologist in London because mm. for five years, nobody knew what was wrong with me because it's not very common what's, what's happened. Right. Um, so for five years, although I was having tests and the doctors were very much, you know, okay, there's a lot going on. We can't leave you, but we don't know how to help you. Mm. So for five years, I was having tests, but nobody knew what was wrong with me. I went down a psychological route, which was great. So, you know, I'm somebody that if I'd had a psychological condition or a mental health problem, I would own it. Um, so I went down that route. Um, thankfully, now it's not that, but I've learned a lot on that route. And it's taught me a lot about my mindset, my psychology, and it's the best thing I've ever done, which is why I'm a massive fan of mental health, counsellors, coaches like yourself, Lou, massive fan. Um, I do believe it's the next step in our evolution. I believe until we start taking our minds as serious as we take our bodies, mm. um, we're not going to evolve. And I do think this is why everything's coming into the media at the moment about mental health and emotional well-being, because it is the next stage for us. I do believe that um oh. i'm going off track i'm sorry Liz. no no you're fine. You're fine i agree um, so so that journey was brilliant so i knew how to physically take care of myself although i thought i did so the exercise and everything was great but i pushed it too far when i shouldn't have done i then learned how to rein that in i then went on a mind and emotional well-being journey i learned a lot about myself i learned a lot about my mindset i had to accept a lot i had to change my whole mindset um which was brilliant and then I ended up having a spiritual awakening a few years after that as well. So I learned very quickly that I was going on a mind, body, soul balance journey and wellness was turning out not to be what I thought it was. Mm. I thought if you pushed, believed in yourself, took care of your body through exercise and diet, you were healthy and you are healthy, but you can be out of balance and that isn't healthy and wellness isn't what we think. So I didn't have any medical support on these five years. I had nobody coaching me, telling me what to do. I had nobody by my side helping me. I had to go within. And that for me, it feels now looking back, I was always meant to do that because I wouldn't have learned as much if I didn't go within as much. So I learned that through pure self-care, um, I, I'm not anti-medical world at all. This isn't what this is about. The medical yeah. world couldn't help me. And because they don't know much about my condition, they can't help me very much now either. They just have to keep an eye on me and take care of me, but not like other conditions because they just don't understand it. So I literally have to use self-care as my health care. And without that, I wouldn't be able to walk. I would literally have no life. I certainly wouldn't be able to work, let alone help anybody else. So I am living proof that if you take your health seriously from a self-care point of view and see it as a necessity, not a luxury or being selfish or spoilt and do it in the right way, it's really powerful. And I, and I realised actually I'm meant to be sharing this with other people. I'm meant to be sharing that self-care and mind-body-soul balance is where a lot of our hidden superpowers lie and where a lot of true wellness comes from. And that's where Eva and Alma was born. Um, now in terms of the end of life work that almost happens at the same time which is why it's a little bit all over the place so yeah it's almost this is why I feel I'm meant to go on this journey because it just happened over a period of time I didn't see it coming either so I, actually I know I know this goes against a lot of spiritual teachings teachings but I did not visualize this happening I haven't done a mood board it was, I feel it's my destiny and sometimes yeah. your destiny is not a choice yeah. even though it is it's not it's really beautiful stuff but anyway yeah. that's another story so after my nan died, so when my nan was dying, she wanted to die at home. 
Now, there were 14 of us who loved her dearly, who were there day and night trying to support my nan, but none of us knew what to do. So it wasn't about the fact that there wasn't anybody with my nan and she couldn't die at home. We didn't know how to deal with it. We were watching our matriarch and absolutely wonderful woman die um, and not very pleasantly um, because we didn't know how to support her. Um, the, we had a wonderful Marie Curie nurse that came out for the night for a few hours who also, she could only do so much herself mm-hmm. and she was struggling to understand what was happening. We had a wonderful team from Russell's Hall come out from oncology to see if they could change her drugs, but none of it was helping. And it was becoming traumatic. And it was actually a wonderful Marie Curie nurse, from what I remember, who stepped in and said, rang the hospice and said, there's a lady who wants to die at home, but it's not working out. And if you don't step in, this family will never recover from the trauma. So Mary Stevens turned up at our doorstep and thankfully convinced my mum to take my nan into the hospice. Because you have to understand my nan had said she wanted to die at home. Yeah. So my mum wanted to protect that. But it had gone like a, like a birth plan. Things can change. So I can imagine women that want to give birth at home and yeah. all of a sudden it changed and they have to go into a medical environment. Mm. And, so that, and that can happen at death. But my mum was very much like, I want to honour my mum's request. But it had gone out of the window. That was not an option anymore. So Mary Stevens stepped in. And as soon as they got my nan into Mary Stevens, she just went at peace, like was just peaceful. So she was not communicating, but I knew she was peaceful. Yeah. And she spent three days in the hospice and they were absolutely wonderful. Not only did they take care of my nan with nothing but love, and peace they also took care of us as a family and I know that would have meant more to my nan than her own journey mm-hmm. so when my nan died I knew straight away that I was meant to say so thank you so I signed up when I could to be a volunteer I wanted to pay back the hospice for the care they gave my family mm-hmm. um, so I signed up to work as a ward assistant in inpatients so what that meant was I made tea for people who were who were either on respite or at end of life and that had gone in as an inpatient or if they weren't um, if they weren't communicative I was making tea for their loved ones and making sure everyone was okay basically um, and six years later I'm still there it's not my plan <laughs> um, it turned out to be the best thing I could have ever done for the family I know my nan would be super proud and it felt really natural to me to be in that environment. And it wasn't, the hospice isn't the type of place you think it is. It's actually, mm. um, and it felt, it felt, it felt natural. Um, and then a few, then it was actually one of the patients who um, sent me a message and said I should look into being a soul midwife because I have a special gift. Um, I walked into his room. These were his words, by the way. Sorry, this is not my ego. <laughs> um, I walked into his room, put him at peace, made him feel calm. Um, The energy in the room changed. I supported his family and he was very grateful for it and told me I should look into being a soul midwife. Now, Ben, I'd never heard of this term before. Mm -hmm. And I, like many people, hear the term midwife and think babies. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know, I didn't question it, but something deep inside of me stirred. Now, I've had people come up to me and say, you should do this, you've got this gift of the and that's lovely but I've never had such a reaction like Mm. I did then Mm. it felt deep from the soul and from Mm. the universe 
something felt I had to look into it. So I got home, Googled it, and I saw my dive school came up. And then I realised it was end of life work. I didn't look any further than that. I just knew I had to get in touch with the, with the teacher, Felicity. And very quickly, I ended up being enrolled in the school. I had couldn't afford it. I lost my job, bear in mind. Yeah. I couldn't afford it. Um, but the universe found a way. Um, and... I ended up going on the training. I didn't even look into the modules or what I was studying because I didn't feel I needed to because I knew I was meant to be there. So I was having quite a shock when I got on the training. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but loved every second and it felt so natural. And that's my journey to being a soul midwife. So I fully qualified in 2017. And I've actually now, by Felicity, which is a massive honour, because I actually sobbed when I found out a few weeks ago, I've been asked to be become a mentor to oh. soul midwives now, which is just, for me, amazing, such an, an honour. So, yeah. And so I still volunteer at the hospice, but I've just officially been taken on. So I've dropped a ward assistant and I'm now officially a volunteer soul midwife there, but I'm also a professional as well. So I volunteer and get donate some time still, but then I'm also a professional soul midwife in the capacity there as well, which is massive for the movement. Um, and yeah, I work in the community as well. So, um, you know, I'm almost called to, the, to work with the right people. Um, it definitely feels like a calling. You can take whatever from whatever that you believe, because I don't believe any of us are wrong. Um, so yes, I know it's a bit long-winded, but that's really where it all came. So it, it felt like I know I work, work in like end of life, and then I was very much feeling that I needed to share and empower people to go on their true wellness journey to balance their mind, body, and soul. But it felt like they were coming together because. Eva and Alma is about provide like supporting people to find that inner peace. We have the ability to do it. It's just our modern world. We've forgotten a little bit how to do it. And I'm not telling people to like ditch their responsibilities, stop work, blah, blah, blah. but you can still find that snippet of inner peace. And once you feel it and remember you've got that ability, it changes your life. And then I'm bringing peace at end of life for people. And I'm also teaching people how to support their loved ones on end of life as well through my workshops. So it very feels like they do come together. So bringing peace in life and death in a nutshell. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I, I, it's just like, where do you even start with this story? <laughs> it's just like, I know it's such a uh, mishmash. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. And, and like you say, that beautiful journey of how, it's just all kind of just come together really very beautifully for you and I, I think it's amazing and I'm just wondering as well in terms of like mind body soul how what do you think um you would say to somebody who is experiencing grief right now how do they kind of how do we get that balance Okay, the first thing I'd say to somebody that's experiencing grief is, I believe in you. Um, I believe you can find the peace again. Um, and very much that balance is very personal. Mm. So when I say I believe in you, I suppose the first question is, do you believe in yourself? Mm. So start to believe in yourself that you will know the answers as to where you need that balance. It's not going to happen overnight, but if you start to be kind to yourself, start listening to yourself, whether that's through meditation or just silence 
or going into grief counselling or coaching to actually unpick that psychologically to start with or everyone's journey is so unique mm. I don't feel it's my job to tell people what their journey needs to look like my job is to empower people and to recognize to, to connect with their minds their body and their soul yeah. and balance that but only you will know deep down where that imbalance is so I really genuinely feel that you know, grief is complicated. It's mm -hmm. okay to feel how you're feeling, honor how you're feeling, be really kind to yourself, give yourself a break. One day you will make friends with your grief. And I know that sounds mm -hmm. odd because grief does not disappear. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go. So I can only, I can use an example here if that's okay from my yeah. grief with my nan, because I've talked about my nan on here. Um, and I obviously grieved for my nan hard when I lost her which was good. Grieving hard in the beginning is good. It's not a bad thing. It's not a sign that someone's not coping. It's good mm. to release it. Mm. Suppressing grief causes more complications. Mm. So um, like now, a few years on, the grief's still there. I have moments I might drive past. She used to love, am I allowed to name a supermarket? <laughs> is that <Yeah>. a <laughs> love Sainsbury's in Amberco so that was like her go-to place and whenever we were coming around as a family she'd go and she'd buy a cooked chicken with tiger bread and she'd do like hot sandwiches mm. just a memory of just love from my nan yeah and sometimes I walk into Sainsbury's in Amberco and I will smell that hot chicken in the back and I tears would just start flowing mm. but the difference is it's not tinged with sadness anymore I'm yes. tinged with aren't I blessed to have had such a wonderful caring yes. loving woman in my life yeah. So I still feel the emotion. I still feel I miss her, but it's a different type now. Yes, um, that, that really resonates with me, actually. Because yes. I, I think over time, like you say, the grief doesn't go. But I think how you experience the grief is what changes. And it's not necessarily... Uh, for me, I, I describe it as feeling a bit lighter. It doesn't feel yes. as heavy. And like you say, that sadness can feel quite heavy. But yeah, yeah. so totally resonates. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. So yeah, it's just, I believe you'll get to peace again, but you need to believe in yourself mm. and be kind to yourself. That is the only thing I can say right now. And just, I'm sending so much love to anybody listening who is grieving for loss of what in, in whatever form, because I have been through it and it is hard, but just know that you are genuinely loved genuinely even if you haven't got somebody in your space in this moment giving you love you are loved there are people out there sending love out into the universe constantly just know that it's there so that's beautiful so this is about you know what i hear is just giving yourself that space and to understand what it is that you personally need you yeah. know as that individual and know that you are loved and supported and that yes. is it it's so simple rachel and yet so empowering and so effective <laughs> it is but it's also difficult to to to, to grasp as well like i understand that when you are in the darkest point of grief yes. these words might absolutely trigger anger inside of you because at mm. that at this time you will not feel you can get your way out but i believe in you mm. absolutely i'm just like you know what because you've just done me into silence a little bit which is unusual oh, for me because no because i'll just talk and talk normally but um, <laughs> i just think everything you said um you know with your story the journey that you've been on just those words of encouragement are just so um 
powerful and this I, I just don't feel like I need to waffle or add anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to share I just really want to kind of round it off by by sharing with people because we will put some links um you know to your website and stuff like that but thank you telling people you know if that they feel like they need to reach out to you in some way where can they kind of find you or you know how can you get hold of you maybe yeah sure do you want me to share that now are you putting the link yeah up? no that, we'll okay. do both we'll do both okay so um my website's www.evaandalma.com and on there you'll find my um, sacred self-care online store um and my soul sanctuary very limited bookings at the moment um for my end of life work it's evaandalma.com forward slash the sacred journey home so that's my website information you can email me at info at evaandalma.com um, but I do also on Instagram and Facebook um, Instagram mainly share wisdom almost every day um, so my Instagram handle is at eva underscore and underscore alma and I have a separate account dedicated for my end of life work because on Instagram I did want to separate it because mm. I know when you're grieving wellness is an important but someone even mentioning the word death could trigger some emotions mm. that you're not ready to deal with so I have purposely separated it for that reason so um the handle for my end of life work is at the sacred journey home on Instagram only so that's how you can follow me um you can sign up to my email list um on my website which I've given you the information for to and I email you occasionally with events and news and bits and bobs um, so yes, that is how you can contact me. <laughs> Fantastic, Rachel. Thank you so much for making the time today to um, to come on and just talk about this. And like you said, it's just, I think for me, a big part of this is just about sharing the story and getting that message out there. So thank you. No, thank you for having me on. I feel really honoured to be on your podcast, Lou. There's Aww. some wonderful people on it. I've heard a few of them before. It's brilliant. <laughs> Loving your work. <laughs> Thank you.